In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is The Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple from The Athletic. Badgers getting ready to host Nebraska on Saturday in the final home game of the year. It's a uh, drama-filled Nebraska team. We'll hear all about it from Mitch Sherman. Jesse's counterpart covers the Huskers for the Athletic. Got an interview with him coming up here in a little bit. Uh, but first, Jesse, I think obviously the biggest news of the week, Deron Harrell's in the transfer portal. Uh, how did I know this was going to be a lead topic here on the show this week? You 20, called this. 21 months ago, January of 2020, I said we, we were talking about potential transfers. This is right after the Rose Bowl where he did not suit up. I said he may uh, if, if there's a list of guys that could potentially not be here in the spring, he would be at the top of it. 21 months later, or 20, no, what is almost 23 months later, 22 months later, whatever it is, finally accurate. He is in the transfer portal, did not play at all this year, was not healthy enough to play at all this year, apparently. Uh, barely played uh, uh, last year as well. Really fell off the, the face of the earth after uh, starting mid, you know, half the 2019 season. He is in the transfer portal. What number is he? Eight? Are you going to get a, Are you getting an exit interview with him? <laughs> I tried. It's a, it's it's a no go. If they no don't go. respond, I can't make them talk. So <laughs> unfortunately, we may not hear the Deron Harrell story and how it went down at Wisconsin. I'm still going to give you credit for this, even if it is nearly two years later. Uh, <laughs> it still technically happened. So there you have it. I, yeah, he's he's the eighth guy. I don't really think that they're not all created equal. Obviously, with two guys being kicked off the team and one being suspended and this isn't a, a great surprise. He's going to be a graduate transfer and he's been listed as out for the season with a left leg injury. But yeah, one of the most precipitous falls I can recall from a guy who was thought um, they, they thought very highly of him early on in his career. He had, he had moved over to defensive back. He was six two. He was a, a bigger, longer body and he was starting games. And then all of a sudden he just fell off the face of the earth. It's, it's uh Maybe there will be an E-True Hollywood story about it down the road or a VH1 behind the, the football scenes. It is remarkable how far, like you just go from starting to not even suiting up for the Rose Bowl within a matter of six weeks, like seven weeks. It is uh, insane. But either way, he not, not the story of the week, obviously. It's obviously getting ready for Nebraska, and we'll talk about the game in a little bit. We think uh, Braylon Allen... 25 carries in three quarters, right, uh, last week. Potentially have the same kind of workload, but he's not the only one that's going to get the ball, right? He, there are going to be other guys. Last week, it was Brady Shipper until the fourth quarter, then it was Julius Davis. But you wrote about Brady Shipper and uh, how he managed to climb the depth chart and uh, has played an important role. I essentially played an important role pretty much all year, kind of as the third down back anyways. Uh, I shouldn't even say all year. Uh, what, the last six games or so? He's played, he's played an important role as a third down back, but now even more so with him essentially being the top backup to Braylon Allen. Well, when fall camp started, there was no discussion about whether Brady Shipper would be the number two running back, right? There were, to me, I, I think, I don't want to speak for you, but the most intriguing position coming into fall camp, in my mind, was running back. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, we knew Yeah, that was clearly the most intriguing because there were so many new faces, all of which are no longer around. Right. Pretty, pretty they, were, much. 
there were all these questions. Can Jalen Berger take that next step? He ended last season as the starter. Can Isaac Arenda stay healthy? Hey, they have Ches Malusi, the transfer from Clemson. Can he be a key contributor? Oh, they moved Braylon Allen over to running back. What's his role? You know who we weren't talking about was Brady Shipper. And it's understandable because coming into this season, he had played 32 career snaps. He carried the ball 12 times for 30 yards. And even when fall camp ended, I would say he was probably the number four guy, but Braylon was clearly pushing for time. And so it was four or five and he wasn't part of the rotation in the start of the season. Understandably. So given the talent they had, well, it's a whole different story. Now, as we know, Garendo's out for the season. Malusi's out for the season. Jalen Berger was kicked off the team. He's now in the transfer portal. So the one, two combination is Braylon and Brady Shipper. And I think it speaks a lot to, for, for all the conversations that we've had, you just mentioned Deron Harrell about guys in the last several weeks that have left when things haven't gone their way. Brady Shipper is, is kind of personified what it means to work really hard. And his situation's different because he came in as a walk-on and his expectations probably were a little bit different, but he has taken the what can sometimes be the road less traveled <laughs> in, in this era where he came in, he was going to be a running back. They moved him to wide receiver in his first fall camp, actually, back in 2018, because he only weighed 190 pounds. He said he was too light to play running back and he wasn't going to get very many reps, as you can imagine, at running back at that time. They moved him back to running back in spring practice and slowly but surely he began to, to establish himself as a really reliable guy. And not surprisingly, the person that he relied on most over the last two seasons was Garrett Groshek, another in-state walk-on who carved out a role for himself as a, a third down running back. And so Shipper made sure that he was asking him questions about how did you run this route? How did you pick up a defender and pass protection? And that really hammered home the importance of learning the playbook. And if you ask any of the running backs that are on the roster right now, who's the, the guy who best understands the playbook or the, the one that you can go to, it's Shipper. That's Braylon was talking about him in fall camp as a guy that he really leaned on. And you can see that materialize in games. He's generally speaking, he's not perfect, but they can rely on him to not make a mistake, to, to go make the smart play. He can catch passes out of the backfield. He can run the ball. He can pass protect. And that's what Gary Brown looks for. He wants three down running backs which is a little bit different from how John Settle operated. And Brady has found a way to fit that role. And now he's the number two running back. So it's uh, they need him now, obviously, but he has answered the bell. It's not sexy by any stretch, right? Like the, no. like, right. I mean, they, they, Dillenberger and all these other guys that they potentially have in this role. And it's the walk on from Stoughton, Stoughton, you know, like it's, uh, it, it's not sexy, but, he gets the job done, and he's done. I mean, for the most part, he's he's done his job every single time out. Like there are, I don't. I'm not going to slam the kid by any stretch, right? Like he's he's taken advantage of every situation he had. I think the only one, I think the only thing, the only play that I can remember, like where he noticeably did not do what he was supposed to do, was the Purdue game, right? The one yeah, where not picking up the block. Yeah, right. That that's the only. That, I mean, that's the only time it stood out. And I know people will grab onto that and hold on to that and be like. He shouldn't be on the field, but he does everything else what he's supposed to do. And in in this stretch, where you're essentially just trying not because of how good your defense is, you're trying not to allow other the other team to have any opportunities to beat you. Having a guy that you can count on to do the right thing almost all of the time is uh, it's a rarity in college football. And and I think Brady is a rarity in college football. Yeah, absolutely. And I I would expect what we saw 
last Saturday against Northwestern to be what we see moving forward. Again, this is coming from the guy who thought that Julius Davis would get more opportunities and potentially be that one-two combo with Braylon. But based on what we saw last week, that doesn't appear to be the case. Julius didn't get into the game until the fourth quarter, and Brady was the number two guy. He played a career-high 20 snaps in that game last week. He carried the ball seven times for 38 yards. He caught a couple passes for 30 yards. And he had that 24-yard reception on the seam route all the way down to the three-yard line. That one set up another Allen touchdown on the very next play. So, again, it goes back to doing all those things right. And when I talked to Gary Brown a few weeks ago and asked him about Brady, he said that he's a tremendous route runner, a very good runner, and super smart when it comes to protections and being able to decipher where the pressure is coming from. And those are all the things that they need. And certainly this is coming about because they have a depleted running back room but he's taking advantage of his opportunities and I would expect him to continue to be the number two guy. Now, what that means in terms of carry count or the load, uh, it's going to depend frankly on how healthy Braylon is and how much he can take because they're going to ride him as far as they can down the stretch based on what we saw last week. And if he can stay healthy. It certainly appears as though he can be a load. Yeah. After what happened last week where we all thought that we we're going to see a lot of Julius Davis, like I, I, I don't even trust my eyes anymore. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, trust trust my ears trust my eyes like it's just it's hard to do i would expect i would after what happened we saw last week i would expect braylon allen to be the guy 25 carries in three quarters potentially hitting 30 this time if uh they're having the success and when this doesn't happen it'll be like julius davis getting like 10 carries <laughs> and uh braylon allen and only being at 15 or something like that and wisconsin will still win and they'll still do what they've done here these last six weeks but um you know going into this game the the two quarterbacks are kind of at uh, at opposite ends right now in terms of what uh, Adrian Martinez brings to the table and what Graham Mertz has brought to the table at least the last two weeks. This is is this the best football? Take away the the Illinois game right from the the opener. Is this the best football Graham has been playing since he got here? Oh, absolutely. And even you look at that Rutgers game, and I was saying this after that game, that was his best performance of his career since that starting debut he had against Illinois. But over these last two games. He's completed 74.3% of his passes for 456 yards with five touchdowns. He had just three touchdown passes through the first eight games. And I understand the next comment from those rolling their eyes may be, yeah, but it was against Rutgers and Northwestern. But I would counter with, he is completing throws that I'm not sure he would have made earlier in the season. And there were a couple of them in particular that stood out against Northwestern, that he's throwing the ball to his receivers in the perfect spot before they've even turned their heads and are out of their break. So to me, he just looks more comfortable and in rhythm. But I also think whenever you talk about the quarterback, you should talk about the offensive line. It's been markedly better. He hasn't taken a sack in any of the last three games. And you look at the pro football focus numbers, and it's understandable how much better he is when he's kept clean. He's completed 66% of his passes this year when he's kept clean and only 37.3% of his passes when he's under pressure. So it goes to all of those facets, right? It's not just Graham. The offensive line is protecting him better. It's no coincidence that they've got Braylon Allen during the six-game winning streak, and I think the receivers are playing well too. But to answer your question directly, yeah, this is the best that Graham has played, and I think fans are coming around to the idea that maybe he can get back to that level. I don't know if it's he's the savior level, but just that he can be the kind of quarterback that people hoped he could be. It, it, it has taken longer than anybody would have wanted, but it certainly seems like, Something's happened of late where he's turned a corner. He has. And, and Adrian Martinez, on the other hand, ha, you know, into his senior year, could realistically come back if he wanted to. I don't know if that'll end up happening, but he has not played well down the stretch. And I mean, you look at the last three games 
for him. It's four touchdowns, five interceptions. It includes a four-interception game against Purdue. He's barely completing uh, 50% of his passes. He hasn't necessarily been able to take off and run. He had 51 yards against Ohio State. 21 of that came on one run. Otherwise, he really just hasn't hasn't been um, uh, the runner that really has scared you know Wisconsin in the past. He's had big games against Wisconsin in the past, especially in 2018. Threw for well over 300 yards in that loss at, at uh, in Madison. What kind of quarterback do you think that they are facing here on Saturday? Well, that that is a tough question to answer because for all the struggles that he's had at times this season, I do look at the two games that he's had against Wisconsin. He threw for 384 yards as a freshman in 2018. He's accounted for 750 yards of total offense with five touchdowns in his two games against Wisconsin. So <laughs> maybe it's something about playing Wisconsin. I, I Certainly think he'll be highly motivated to perform well, given everything that's happened here of late, where he's, he's got to deal with four of his offensive coaches being fired and Nebraska's program is in turmoil. But I, I expect Wisconsin's defense to be able to handle things. And one thing that I thought was interesting from what Jim Leonard said on Monday was that he believed the defense had added some different elements that the group didn't have in previous games against Nebraska. I don't know whether whatever small changes he made were a direct result of what Martinez did to them in those two games, but Leonard said he felt like they're better equipped to handle the task this time around. So I'm interested to see what some of those changes may be when they match up, but I don't, yeah, there's the ability for some chunk plays, but I just think the defense is playing so well that I'm not sure how many openings they're going to grant Martinez and Nebraska's offense. It'll be interesting to, to see how it plays out. Let's get into our interview with Mitch Sherman. Again, as I said before, he's Jesse's counterpart at The Athletic, covers Nebraska. Here he is. And we do bring in Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. He covers Nebraska for them. Mitch, thanks for jumping on. It's probably been a pretty eventful two weeks for you guys covering Nebraska. Obviously, uh, no game last week, but the, a lot of a lot of news coming out of there with the uh, Scott Frost, I guess, restructure of the contract. You get the four guys fired, uh, the offensive coaches fired. What kind of team is uh, Nebraska bringing to Wisconsin uh, this weekend? Well, uh, <clears throat> good to be with you guys. Um, it has been a strange week and a half, no doubt. It's actually been a strange season for Nebraska, but uh, the last week and a half, while unusual with the announcement last Monday from the athletic director, Trev Alberts, that Scott Frost would return in 2022 with a, um, a new school-friendly contract, a buyout that gets sliced in half on October 1st next year, which just happens to be the exact midpoint of the season, a game day, no less, against uh, Indiana at home. Uh, also came the news, as you mentioned, about the, um, the firing of four assistant coaches, including offensive coordinator Matt Lubick. You know, some of this stuff is just kind of old hat at Nebraska, uh, the Huskers have been through, of course, five coaches in the last 20 years, and there was uh, an expectation from some that the Huskers might be moving on to number six soon and, and still might be moving on to number six relatively soon. But it's going to be Scott Frost, uh, as things stand now, uh, for sure, in, in 2022. Um, just kind of weirdness all around, I'd say. It's an awkward feeling around Memorial Stadium. Um, doesn't really feel like uh, a November football game. Um, obviously, there's not much at stake for Nebraska, nothing at stake in terms really of, of this season. 
Huskers are, are, are saying a lot of the right things. You, you know, it's a trophy game. It's a, it's a, you know, a big 10 West game. This is a, this is a, an opponent that we badly want to beat uh, re- referring both to Wisconsin and, and then Iowa uh, a week from a week from Friday. But uh, you know, really it, it's like, it's like, this is, this is, uh, this is playing second fiddle to all of the news and, and what's to come in a short time for Frost in Nebraska with the restructuring, the rebuilding of his offensive staff. So they're going to play these two games. I don't expect it to be the best uh, Nebraska that we've seen in, in 2021, but you never know. Maybe, maybe the pressure will be off and, and these guys can play with, um, you know, a kind of reckless abandon that, that has been missing, especially in the, in the fourth quarters of, of close games this year that have, that have really cost them in all seven of their defeats. Mitch, can you help me understand something? Obviously, we're not in Lincoln. We're up here in Madison, so don't have a great feel for this, or I'll speak for myself. But I'm looking at Nebraska's offense, and the Cornhuskers are 16th in the country in total offense, 459 yards per game. From your perspective, why did Scott Frost fire four of the offensive coaches if they seem to be more than competent on that side of the ball? Well, when you've watched Nebraska all year, I, I think you, you come away with a different assessment of the offense. And yeah, the yards and even the points and points are obviously what matters, but um, it's when the points are being scored or, or more to the point when they're not being scored. And, and in clutch situations this year, Nebraska's offense has been terrible um, in, in every game except the Purdue game, uh, <laughs> interestingly. Um, which didn't end up being a, a one-score defeat because of a, a late touchdown that Nebraska scored. But in every in every one of the other six losses, Nebraska has had an opportunity late in the game with the ball to drive and score to go ahead. And it has produced zero points in, in all of those drives. And many of them ended in, in disastrous situations. You know, a fumble against Michigan – at midfield as, as Adrian Martinez, the quarterback moved the pile to get a, to get a key first down. Um, you know, that, that was, that was, you know, that's one that comes to mind, but there, you know, there's a play like that for every situation against Illinois. It happened earlier in the game uh, against Minnesota. It was Martinez taking a safety um, at just the, the worst possible time. Um, and it's not all on him. I mean, he's the reason that Nebraska has been in these games, him and, and and some a very solid defense, the best defense that Eric Chenander, uh, Nebraska's defensive coordinator, who is up for the Broyles Award um, <laughs> while coaching a three and seventeen, uh, it's the best defense that he's had, um, and 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 that defense is a big part of the reason that Nebraska ha- has been in all of these games too. But um, the numbers don't tell the story, is what I'll say. The numbers with the yards and the stats, and even the big plays. Nebraska's been one of the best big big play offenses in the country this year. But um, when you, when you see these guys perform in the clutch, it's been really painful to watch, Uh, you know, struggles all around from the offensive line to the quarterback, to the receivers dropping passes, the running backs not getting it done. And, and, you know, there needed to be a scapegoat here. Um, Frost wasn't going to be able to return and just keep things intact with a 15 and 27 record, you know, headed toward 15 and 29, perhaps after these two games, something, someone needed to take the fall and he couldn't fire himself. So he fired four, four, uh, four offensive coaches. So you mentioned the defense. And usually when it comes to Wisconsin and Nebraska, it's let's just be fair, Wisconsin has owned that matchup, especially in the running game. Uh, we just, a few, few days ago, 
uh, around here. There was celebration of Melvin Gordon's 408 game, which was seven years ago. It doesn't feel that long ago, but it was. Uh, but this Nebraska defense is a little bit different. They they do stop the run. They're giving up what three point seven yards per carry. Is is that run defense real, or is this going to be a situation like that twenty fourteen game, which Nebraska had a really good uh, a solid run defense coming into that one, and it got shredded. Yeah, interestingly, they do, they do not celebrate the anniversary of the four hundred and eight yard Melvin Gordon game uh, <laughs> what about, in, in Nebraska. <laughs> what about twenty twelve? What about the twenty twelve title game? Do they celebrate that or no? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's you know, you got you have got a uh, Kenny Bell, Kenny Bell's uh, um, <laughs> decapitation um, yes. of a of a Wisconsin defender. Um, no, that's not celebrated either. We would no no one would, would celebrate a a play that could that could injure somebody, or in that case, I think did injure somebody. Yeah. Um, that was that was uh, all of those Wisconsin games in recent years. Uh, there was the thirty to twenty seven Nebraska win earlier in that in that uh, calendar season in that calendar year in twenty twelve and, and that that's it for Nebraska when it comes to victories against Wisconsin since the Huskers joined the Big Ten ten years ago. So uh, it's been it's been rough uh, for for Nebraska. Um, the the run defense, yeah, it's real. Um, you know they they uh, they held down Kenneth Walker from from Michigan State. They held down uh, Travion Henderson. From Ohio State, who you know, who I think is is maybe the, the the best the best running back in the country, arguably. I mean, there are guys with better numbers, but I think when it's all said and done, and you see how the, everybody who's out there playing ends up um, in an NFL situation, I think Travion Henderson is 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 going to be at or or near the very top of all players who who are in college football right now. And they, they they held him to ninety yards on about twenty carries. Um, he didn't do do much in the um, in the in the past game as a receiver out of the backfield. So, yeah, the run defense, the defense overall, the pass defense, it's, it's solid for Nebraska. There's a couple things to consider. You know, what, one, what I already mentioned about what's left to play for uh, for this team, and, and it has played worse on the road or it's played better at, at home. Um, you know, so that's, that's, I think, a concern. Uh, the Minnesota game, the Illinois game, those were uninspiring performances really all around um, for, for Nebraska. Uh, e- even the defense got, got in – um, you know, into the act of of being flat in that Minnesota game um, in the first half before playing playing really well in the second half of that game. Um, so you know, I don't I don't expect that this is going to be uh, vintage Nebraska defense this year coming out at, at Camp Randall on Saturday. Um, and, and then you have the loss of Nebraska's best defensive player, Jojo Doman, uh, the nickelback outside linebacker. Um, really, really, he plays a position that was created for him that that he that he carved out of this defense. Um, and you know, he's he's turned himself into a, I think a a pretty good NFL prospect. He's going to go to the Senior Bowl. Um, he played the Purdue and and Ohio State games with a, a broken bone, or I'm, I'm sorry, it was a it was a, it's a torn tendon. Um, I'm getting my sports confused. Um, there's a, a torn tendon in his in his hand. And uh, he had surgery after after the Ohio State game when Nebraska um, was eliminated from bowl contention. So he is obviously out for these last two games, and that's a huge loss because he made plays all over the field. You know, he he cleaned up mistakes that that other players made, and um, you know was a difference maker in, in every game. So um, that's something to consider too. I don't I don't think Wisconsin uh, with with Braylon Allen, you know, as an emerging back, is is going to come out and run for 400 yards. But I think they'll find a way to get it done. Um, against a good a good Nebraska defense that that might be wearing down a bit um, as this season nears an end. 
Mitch, we had a chance to talk to Wisconsin defensive coordinator earlier, in the, uh, Jim Leonard, earlier in the week, and he was talking about how he's got to prepare his guys for the unknown. A lot of teams have done that to Wisconsin. They might come out in the first drive and do something they haven't shown on film, but with Nebraska specifically, because it's a different offensive staff, he was he was asking, you know, how much can they really add to their offense? Are they just going to try to tighten things up a little bit, play with more consistency? And then he said, or is all hell going to break loose and they're going to be all over the place? Um, what's your take on what you think we'll see from Nebraska's offense, given the turnover, the bye week, and the fact that, I mean, they really have nothing to lose at this point, right? As you yeah. said, they're three and seven. They're not going to a bowl. What do you expect? Yeah, the nothing to lose mentality, I think, would 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 worry me a bit if I was Wisconsin, just because they, they may have some things buried in their playbook that – um, some new new voices in that offensive meeting room could suggest bringing out. You know, Scott Frost has got his hands full right now in looking for an offensive coordinator and and you know trying to salvage something with this recruiting class right now that that, that sits last in the Big Ten and 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 digging into the portal to uh, to try to fill holes that that are going to be there for that 2022 season. It's it's really all about 2022 for Nebraska when you when you cut through um, the BS. I mean, these games are. You know the players want to win them. Of course, you know it would mean it would mean something for Nebraska to beat Wisconsin or to beat Iowa, um, which have just been thorns in, in the Husker side. Both of those uh, opponents, in you know, really with with Wisconsin since for the last decade, and with Iowa uh, since since 2014. So it, 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 these games are significant to the players. But you know, Frost has got to be thinking more about next year right now. Even though he you know he would never tell you that. But but that, that's what if he wants to save his job and be the coach here a, a year from now, as as we get ready for the the final two week stretch of the 2022 season, you know, he has to get started now on on figuring things out. So how much of his attention is, is really on this this offensive game plan? And if not him, then who? Because there's nobody left. I mean, you got your tight ends coach who can come in there and, you know, ha have some. Uh, continuity from what Nebraska has enjoyed through this season. And then it's 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 three analysts and a quality control coach. So they've been around the program. Um, I don't expect that Nebraska is going to come out and look like a different offense. They're, they're, they're not going to reinvent themselves. You know, the situation that has been brought up this year um, or in these past couple of weeks is, is after the 2014 season when Bo Pelini was fired um, and did not coach the bowl game, the holiday bowl against USC, uh, Nebraska had, had interim an interim head coach Barney Cotton, who was the the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, and uh, he coached the team in San Diego that year. And they did; they came out and looked like a different offense. Like they took the training wheels off and they just let it all hang out. The staff was getting fired. Um, they 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 had they they had nothing to truly nothing to lose. They also had a month to prepare for that game. That's not the case here. Yeah, there was a bye week, but really last week in Lincoln was chaotic. Um, and then it's just been back into normal game prep. So I, I don't see a whole lot of similarities between those two situations, especially since Frost is 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 coming back next year. So um, I think it's going to be a, um, a, a similar version of, of what you've seen from Nebraska um, this year. And they may even go a little bit conservative um, just to try to avoid mistakes as as this uh, the staff tries to get a feel for for what what it's what it's doing. Uh, maybe against Iowa, they they. Uh, um, they let it hang out a little bit more since that's the last game of the year. It's at home, but I think Nebraska will have a conservative game plan and, um, you know, not try to, not try to, uh, you know, try to avoid um, those turnovers um, that have been so crippling when, you know, when they've occurred this year. 
Well, this whole situation at Nebraska sounds insane to me. The fact that you've got analysts stepping up to this level and trying to prepare these guys to play Wisconsin and Iowa. So I don't know. I, I, I think Wisconsin's going to win, but I'll, I'll throw it to you for the last question here. What, what's your pick and why? Yeah. Um, my pick is definitely Wisconsin. Um, you look at Nebraska's, uh, games this year and those defeats, those seven defeats, as I mentioned, six by by one score, and then the Ohio State game um, was a, was a nine point game. So all all single digits. Um, there's been much hand wringing about that, and 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 it's been uh, it, it's it's been the the fuel for uh, m- many of the talking points that that we've heard from Frost about how close Nebraska is and how it just needs a few small pieces. It needs a break here or a break there. And instead of three and seven, you could be looking at seven and three. I mean, there's an argument to be made that Nebraska could be nine and one right now. Now, obviously those, those kind of seasons are extremely unusual where you, uh, you know, you, you win every close game, but, but, but they've all been close. Um, This one, you know, I think the situation is different. Um, I don't think Nebraska is going to get blown out of the water. Um, I could see, I could see it it, uh, it being a competitive game for a couple of quarters, but I, I think Wisconsin will impose its will. Wisconsin is the kind of team and, and the way that it's played over the last six weeks that is just a bad matchup, as I see it for Nebraska. They're, they're not going to have a ton of adva- ton of opportunities um, to take advantage of Wisconsin mistakes. We know they're going to play smart, clean, power football. Um, so, hey, you know, I, I, as I said in, in our, uh, our beat writer breakdown that we did on The Athletic um, on Thursday – um, I've got the Badgers, uh, and, and I'm going with 27 to 7. All right, Mitch. Hey, certainly appreciate your time. Yeah, good to talk to you guys. We'll see All you right. on uh, on Saturday. Sounds good. All right, there he is, Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. All right, we thank Mitch Sherman for jumping on, talk a little Nebraska and Wisconsin. Let's get into our uh, over-unders here, Jesse. Uh, you mentioned before the interview, talking about some big shot plays, the potential for some big shot plays from Nebraska. They've got 11 plays of 50 or more yards this year. They got eight plays of 60 or more yards. That's the second most. That's tied for the second most in the country. Um, over under a half play of 50 plus yards. I will take the under. You Okay. All right. Uh, Nebraska against Wisconsin? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take the under. Why? I just think Wisconsin's defense is playing too well. And, you know, maybe they'll be up by three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and the third stringers will give up a 52-yard run. I don't know. But I don't <laughs> think the starters are going to give up a 50-plus yarder. I just think they're, they're playing at too, too high of a level. Uh, Wisconsin has given up the fewest plays of 10-plus yards in the country. They've given up 66 uh, plays of 10-plus yards. Georgia's the next best at, uh, at 82. So, uh, and Wisconsin's given up just two plays of 50 or more yards all year. So you're going to take the... The under on that half, I get it. Wisconsin rushing yards, over under 204 and a half yards rushing. Now, Nebraska, <laughs> now Nebraska is, is giving up only 132 yards and 3.7 yards per carry, which is, I believe is the fewest in the Frost era, the 3.7 yards per carry. That, according to uh, Mitch Sherman, and that back and forth you guys did, which is fantastic on The Athletic, the, uh, the beat writer breakdown that you guys uh, do. Go read that if you haven't already. But... Yes, Nebraska has not allowed any team to run for more than 204 yards. Michigan had 204, the only team over that was over 200. Uh, another team had 195. But for the most part, they've been able to hold teams in check, their running game in check. Here's a stat I mentioned in that beat writer breakdown that no FBS team has run for more yards than Wisconsin over the course of its six-game winning streak. 1,618 yards. 
that's 269.7 yards per game. And they scored 17 rushing touchdowns. And I know they're not playing Georgia every week, but I'm taking the over on the number that you gave because I've seen too many Wisconsin, Nebraska games. And Maybe they don't have the numbers in the second quarter. Maybe they don't have it in the third quarter, but they just seem to wear Nebraska out. And I think the Cornhuskers have been through so much the last couple of weeks. I think Wisconsin is going to run the ball a lot, and I'm taking the over. What is the average of Wisconsin? I mean, how many times have they topped 200 yards in this series? I mean, Jonathan Taylor's done it three times himself in the three games that he played. So right. I want to <laughs> say the only I want to say the only times they didn't was 2015. Every other time they were definitely. Uh, they were definitely over 200. Man, maybe not in the first 2012 game either, but certainly was the case in 2011 and the 2012 championship game. Melvin had 408 by himself. Jonathan Taylor, all three times that he went, had uh, over 200 yards. So, I mean, it's it, it it's a, I think it's a, I don't think it's a guarantee that it goes over, but the way that Wisconsin's running the ball, Nebraska without their best defensive player who makes plays all over the field, I would tend to think that it's going to hit the over. I, 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 I think it's going to hit the over. Graham Mertz has, uh, as we, we talked about before, really played well these last two weeks. Over, under, a passer rating of 200. Oh, man. Now, he went 244.1 against Rutgers, 177.1 against Northwestern. I think pretty much if you take the interception, if you take the interception away off the Northwestern game, he's, he's over 200 as well. I guess I'm going to go the under on that. I don't know how... <laughs> I don't know if this is one of those games where they just run the ball, run the ball, and then run the ball some more every once in a while. Graham throws a play-action pass. I don't know. Maybe they throw it a little bit more, and they've got more confidence potentially given how the line's blocking. But uh, I'm just going to take the under. I don't know how many opportunities he's going to wind up with. Yeah. Uh, do you want to put a bet on what the first play is? <laughs> Whether it's a run or a pass? Yeah. Uh, it was pass last week, right? It was. Uh, it's a run. Nope. Give it pass. To e- this is an easy one. This is, a, this is pass easy. Braylon Allen's going to run for six yards. <laughs> this, is a, this is a pass. I, I, I feel like this pass. And maybe okay. Nebraska will be expecting pass because of the way uh, they started last week. Like I kind of maybe a little caught Northwestern a little off guard because they obviously the way that they had not stopped the run all year uh, was getting after it. But I'm, 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 I'm thinking... Uh, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking pass. Okay. What do you got? Let's let's play it out. Who's it to? How many yards? (laughs) I got a, I got a pass to Jake Ferguson for 11 yards. All right. That's a solid pick. I still (laughs) like mine better. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's get into uh, picking some of the games here. Uh, We'll start with a big one in Columbus, number seven, Michigan state traveling to face Ohio state. The fourth-ranked Buckeyes, mm, the 11 o'clock game on ABC, Ohio State favored by 19. The over-under is 68.5. Man, I know Ohio State's on a roll, but I, I can't pick them to win by 19-plus against Michigan State. I know the Spartans laid an egg against Purdue, but they've been playing some pretty good football this season. So I'm going with Michigan State, the points on that one, but – I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the under as well. Yeah. I'm, did you say you're taking Michigan state? Yeah. I'm going Michigan state. I think Ohio state wins, but I, I 19 feels like a lot 
in this matchup. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the way that Ohio State's offense played last week, though, it's it's, scary. it's yeah, it is, it is. And uh, I, you know, Michigan State. If you're Wisconsin, are you hoping for Michigan State uh, to play Michigan State in the Big Ten championship? Yeah, for the potential to play Michigan State in the Big Ten uh, championship. If if you're a player on the team or a fan, a fan. Or would you, or, or do you want a piece of Ohio State? I mean, this is a tough question. I'd I don't think it is. A, I'd I rather think it see, is at all. Well, of course, you'd, uh, I would rather see Ohio State because I want to see how Wisconsin matches up against the best of the best in the team that they haven't been able to beat in a decade. But Wisconsin's got a better opportunity to actually win against Michigan State. So, right. So, depends from how like, you want to answer that one. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, from a fan's perspective, uh, you, you want the easiest matchup. I guess. And, and Maybe they're honestly, just t- honestly, tired of seeing Ohio State. I think, well, wouldn't you? Wouldn't <laughs> you be tired of seeing Ohio State? No, this this goes back to this goes back to the twenty fifth so the twenty fifteen basketball team. Um and Josh Gosser, they did that that uh, BTN uh, like yeah. what you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Uh, they did that whole thing on it and, and Josh Gosser was talking about it and like normally he's like normally you would you would want like the the, the lesser team to, to be there because you want an easier matchup because he was talking about Kentucky and he's like, you know, we don't, you know, Kentucky playing these other teams. Uh, we want Kentucky to win, even though usually you want the team that's not as good to, to win. So you have an easier matchup. I think players think that same way. And no, no matter what your big 10 title is going to look exactly the same, whether it's Ohio state, Michigan state, or, or Michigan, the, the, the trophy doesn't look any different and the facade doesn't look any different. And the memories, I don't think, I don't think like 2011, like that memory is somehow, uh, you know, not at the same level as any other Big Ten title. It was Michigan State, and it wasn't some blue blood. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I I think Michigan, you would want Michigan State over Ohio State because it gives you a better chance to win the game. Well, I I guess I'd rather see Ohio State. That way, I can copy and paste my game story, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm going to take uh, Michigan State as well and the over. Uh, moving on, Illinois traveling to Iowa to take on the 17th-ranked Hawkeyes. So Wisconsin can clinch the Big Ten West this weekend. All that has to happen is Illinois, without head coach Brett Bielema, who tested positive for COVID, all Illinois, they have to beat Iowa, and then Minnesota has to lose to Indiana. Indiana currently winless in the Big Ten. We'll get to that game in a bit. But yeah, Illinois taking on Iowa. Iowa is a 12.5-point favorite. The over-under, 38.5. This is a tough one to pick because Iowa's won its last couple games by five points. Illinois seems to be an enigma. Beat Penn State in nine overtimes. Goes out and loses to Rutgers. Then holds Minnesota, at the time a ranked Minnesota team, to six points. Um, I like Illinois with the points. And I am going to take the under. Yeah. So obviously, uh, Illinois had last week off. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. Unfortunately for them, you mentioned the pattern. Beat Charlotte, lose to Wisconsin. Beat Penn State, lose to Rutgers. Beat Minnesota. What's their next game? Iowa, lose to Iowa. Unfortunately, well, they can still lose. I just don't think Iowa's going to win by more than 12. I'm 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 talking it over in my head as to whether I would pick Illinois to win outright. Okay, okay. that's that's I'm doing that in my in my head. I apologize, um, but I don't think that I I don't think either is going to happen. I think Senior Day Iowa 
feel like uh, they're going to put some points on them. No Brett Bielema there. I'm taking Iowa. I'm taking Iowa to cover and um, the over. Oh, the over on that one. Ooh. Moving on, Michigan traveling to Maryland. The uh, One more game. One more game Michigan needs to get through here before they face Ohio State in the finale that will likely decide who goes to the Big Ten championship game. Unless there's a three-way tie, which is possible. No, it's not, is it? Is it possible? No, it's not. It's not. Shut up, Zach. Uh, Michigan at Maryland. Michigan, 15-point favorites. The over-under, 56.5. I'm taking the over on this one. Um, I'm not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. But I'll go with the over uh, on 56.5 as well. I'm taking Michigan and the over one more game before we get to Nebraska and Wisconsin. It is Minnesota traveling to Indiana. Minnesota is a seven and a half point favorite. The over under 43 and a half. Does Indiana get a win in the big 10 season? Nah, <laughs> <laughs> Minnesota's lost a couple games in a row. And I mentioned that Illinois game. Uh, I, I'm still going to take the Gophers and the points. I'm going to take the over. Um, Let's just keep it a little more interesting for the regular season finale in Minneapolis. So yeah, there, there's the, there's the journalist in you. There you, we go. Give me a good storyline. You want a story for next next Saturday in Minneapolis, even though it kind of feels this is if if Minnesota if that ends up being the case, Minnesota and Wisconsin playing for the Big Ten West title, I guess. Well, it, we'll see. I mean, Minnesota obviously needs Iowa to lose one of their last two as well. It kind of feels like 2014, like a, a really bad Minnesota team. Is going to be playing for the Big Ten West title. I, it just doesn't make any. It, 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 yeah, doesn't doesn't make sense. I, I think they beat Indiana. Um, and to give you a little bit of a storyline next week, uh, I'm gonna. I am not. Uh, however, I'm gonna take Indiana uh, in that game. Um, the seven and a half. Just I don't trust Minnesota's offense whatsoever. They just they're not very good. Over under forty three and a half. I'm gonna take the. Uh, I'm gonna take the over. On that one, Wisconsin and Nebraska Badgers ranked 15th in the college football playoff rankings. Have you thought about potential ways for them to get in the top four yet, Jesse? Have not. Not happening. Oh. Okay. All right. Good. Glad we're on the same page here. Nebraska comes in one and six in Big Ten play. Badgers five and two. They've won six straight. Obviously, last game in Madison this year. The line Wisconsin by nine. The over under is 42. I like the line just because Nebraska, despite being three and seven, has not lost a game by more than nine. However, uh, my score, I mentioned this in my in a beat writer breakdown that I did with Mitch. I'm going Wisconsin 21, Nebraska 10. So picking Wisconsin cover and I'm taking the under. Uh, I just don't know what kind of Nebraska team is going to show up. Are they going to not a they good gonna, one? Well, no, that's, <laughs> that's fine, my expectation. Are they going to play their ass off? Like, that's the question. If they're not going to play their ass off, I'm going to take Wisconsin by a lot. But I think that they're going to have a little bit of uh, piss and vinegar going after what has happened these last week, this last week and a half. I do. Uh, they, a lot of people have counted them out. A lot of people not even talking, you know, about the games themselves, talking about what's going to be happening next year. I think they come out and play with some piss and vinegar. What do you, do you think they will or no? Do you think they're just going to show up and it's going to be nothing? Uh, I don't think it's going to be nothing. I mean, they- Again, they've been able to move the ball offensively against most teams. I, I don't know what their defense will have for Wisconsin, but I, I just expect it, 
The other thing is they've played close against every team they played in four of those teams are in the top 15 right now in the college football playoff rankings. So if we assume that, I mean, it's mostly the same players that are going to be on the field. Like I, I, I don't, I don't think Wisconsin's going to win this by four touchdowns. All right. I'm going to take Wisconsin 24 to 13. All right. So we've got basically the exact same pick Wisconsin by 11 and the under. Correct. All right. Fair enough. We'll see how it plays out. It'll be Wisconsin and Nebraska on Saturday at Camp Randall. Last game in Madison. Kick is at 2.30 on ABC, Jesse. We'll be back uh, on Sunday to talk about it and look forward to potentially a big matchup in Minneapolis. Sounds good. Thanks, Zach. All right. There he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp. You're on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.